Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. I would love to connect with you on social media. Let's be friends. You follow me, I'll follow you. You can get connected with me. Right up here is the information to do that. You can actually scan this code. It will take you to options. But I would love to see what's happening in your life, be able to be praying for you. I would love to stay connected. This is my actual cell phone number. So if you text me or call me today, I will get it. I dare you. No, some of you will. If you actually write, you're like, all right, I'm ready. Writing that one part of the message, I'm going to text Pastor Nick. So listen, I would love to connect with you guys. Feel free to make use of this. I've got to be honest with you. I've got to share a truth about myself today. Maybe you will find this in common. I do not like snakes. Mm -mm. This is... One of the only things I have in common with the OG Indiana Jones, hatred of snakes. Why'd it have to be snakes? How many of you would agree with me? You do not like them. How many of you have a great disdain towards them? You hate snakes. I I do not like snakes. I hate snakes. They're never where you think they're going to be. They're always surprising, weird, creepy. This is a problem for me. So when we went home for Thanksgiving and we were seeing family, my niece, Addie, has this. I mean, she owns this. I mean, if you have a snake, I think you are totally, totally weird (laughs) to bring this into your home. This is in her bedroom, okay? So I can just imagine, like, lay down, nice peaceful sleep, never wake up. (laughs) So she has this. So I'm trying to get over this. I come back, and it's not just in my family. It is now in Go Church. We have a snake owner, Corbin Hughes, owns this snake. And I look at this, and I'm like, it's just coiling. It's about to latch right onto his mustache. Just boom. I can just see it happening. Corbin is married to Caroline. Caroline spoke last week and did an incredible job. Can we put our hands together and say, great job, Caroline? She did a great job. Go back, stream that message. Uh, this is not a good situation for me. I don't like snakes. It really began for me when I was fairly young. I had a couple of snake experiences that I did not like. I don't know if you ever have snake experiences that you do like. For me, it started 12 years old. I am at my grandpa Calloway's farm. Now, this is southern Oklahoma. You've got to go down the gravel road, go across the gravel thing, go down the dirt road. You will cross a bridge, which is a two-lane bridge. Fairly nice bridge, about 75 to 100 feet long, pretty big for that area of the world. And so my cousins and I would go down to this bridge. Our grandpa would let us hunt snakes. He did not particularly like snakes. We like to think about it as chicken and duck protection detail. We were Delta Force against the snake. He would let us go down and shoot these snakes. And so my cousins, Kevin and Kelly, Kevin two years older than me, Kelly, four years older than me. I'm always trying to impress them growing up as a young kid. So one day, I decide I'm going to go down to the bridge. Now, underneath the bridge was a good old countryfied drift, okay? This was basically a dam that had formed by all of this driftwood, okay? So all of the driftwood would pile up, and then the snakes would crawl out of their little demon holes and sun themselves, 
And we would go down and we would look and spy and hunt and try to take care of these snakes. So one day I decide I'm going to go down by myself. So I hop on the farm motorcycle. I don't know for what reason, but my grandpa always had a motorcycle around the farm. So this one was an old Kawasaki 305, red gas tank, 12 years old. I hop on the motorcycle by myself and I take my single shot hammer action 410. So I hop on the motorcycle, 12 years old, drive down to the dam. I peer over the edge, and I'm looking, and I'm hunting. Delta Force was in action, <laughs> 12 years old. So I see this big, black, gnarly-looking snake. Now, my whole goal was to go down to this drift, kill a snake, bring it back, show it to my cousins, and to impress them. I would like to show them I can do it, like by myself, 12 years old. So I spot it. I take aim. Boom. Shoot the snake. Snake looks dead. Now I've got to go get the snake because I need proof. So I go over to the bank. I've got shotgun in one hand, reload, single shot, hammer action, reload, it's ready to go. I start to make my way down this steep embankment down to the snake pit, okay? We're down there now amongst all of the dead wood, all the little creepy crawlies, all the things ready to go. And I see the snake, I go over and I very carefully reach down, grab a hold of the dead snake, when boom, it wraps itself all around my arm like that nervous system. I'm like, snake! I'm trying to shake it off my arm. I got this loaded shotgun in one hand. I'm freaking out with the other hand, but it won't shake off my arm. And I finally settle down, like looking around to make no, sure nobody saw me do that, like freak out. I'm like, okay, I'm all alone. It's all good. It is dead. I've got to get out of here. This is scary. I go back to the you know, steep bank that I crawled down, and I've got to get to the top of this thing. I can't climb very well. I've got a loaded shotgun in one hand and a snake around the other. And so I do the very smart 12-year-old thing. I'm like, I'll just throw the gun up on top of the bank. So I take the shotgun, woof, give it a good toss, and it's up there. No problem. So I'm starting to climb my way up the bank. I'm like, man, Kelly and Kevin, they're going to be so impressed. i got this big snake. And I look up, and the gun is teetering, and it starts to fall back towards me. So it's falling down, down, down. I'm like, no. Have you ever had life go into slow motion? Like nothing good ever happens when life goes into slow motion. Life goes into slow motion. Gun is falling down backwards. I'm trying to get out of the way. And what happens, true story, about face level. So here's the barrel. The hammer trips on a twig. It goes, I mean, it shoots off right by my face. And so, of course, it shocks me. It deafens me. I, I'm feeling, is my face here? Have I, have, I, have I been shot? Everything is fine. That was the closest I'd ever gotten to Jesus in my 12 years. It was like that moment. I'm all fine. Grab the shotgun, make it to the top, jump on the motorcycle. Now picture this. This is your, this is your pastor. I'm sorry, but this is just how it is. Southern Oklahoma, on the motorcycle, shotgun in one hand, snake wrapped around the other, driving this motorcycle back to grandpa's house. Your pastor is a snake handler, okay? That's just how it is. You're in one of those churches. So I am driving back. I pull into the property, and my cousins, Kelly and Kevin, they see me drive in, and I raise a snake fist. And I'm like, what's up now? Power through. They were impressed for like 30 seconds, I think is what it was. Can I have a nice light round of applause for my snake hunting abilities? Thank you. I don't like them. I don't like snakes. I don't like my niece's snake. I love Corbin, but I don't like his snake. His snake is named Mufasa for whatever reason. So this is like a lion snake. 
I don't like them. Maybe in your life there are certain little things that you just don't like. You're just scared of certain items. Maybe it's snakes. Maybe it's spiders. Maybe it's the creepy crawlies. Maybe you're afraid of two-year-olds that won't take a nap. Maybe you are afraid of the Christmas corporate party that is about to happen. And you know every year it's like awkward and like Steve's going to drink too much. You don't even want to go. You're already scared of it. It's annoying. How many of you have a little something in your life that you're scared of? You just don't like it. Can I just see a hand? I'm not alone. There are also things in life that are bigger, deeper, that we can be afraid of. And it's not just a snake feeling or like a spider feeling. It's a deeper, more serious feeling. Fear. Fear of loss or fear of change. Fear of starting a new job or maybe fear of staying in the job that you're not sure you like. Maybe it's fear in a relationship. Maybe you just have this thing in you that you're always just waiting for like your spouse to leave. Or maybe you grew up in a house where there was a big nasty divorce and you're just afraid that might happen to you. Or you're afraid about your kids and how they're going to grow up and who they're going to be. Or maybe you're afraid about something in another relationship. We can even have fears with God. Becky and I used to see this in college student ministry. We directed college student ministry for 13 years. And oftentimes, college students, they would get this thing in their head that they were scared. Like God would call them to do something that they did not want to do. They're like, man, if I, if I like give my life to Jesus, and then I know he's going to call me to like some crazy faraway African place, and I'm never going to be able to do anything that I want to do. And it's going to be so, God's going to call me to marry an ugly person. I just know it. I'm going to have like ugly kids and be like ugly generations. I don't want any of it. But sometimes we have this fear connected to God. Like if God were to ask you to do something that you don't want to do. And so you just are hesitant with God. Today I want you to think about what are you afraid of? Not just the creepy crawlies. Not just the small things. What are some of the big things in your life that you feel fear circling around inside of your life about. Think about this. Think about this. Bring this to the one big thing. Get your communication card. Write this down. Write this down right across the top. One big thing. God's interruption can be an invitation. Everybody say can be. God's interruption can be an invitation. So in this series, Fear Not, we're going to be exploring The story, the moment of Mary, mother of Jesus, Joseph, and the Christmas story. And in this series, you're going to see a couple of moments where Mary, Joseph, are commanded to not be afraid. Why? Because sometimes hearing from God, following God can feel a little bit scary. Let's get into this. Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... Elizabeth was a relative of Mary, mother of Jesus. God sent the angel Gabriel. Now, everybody say angel. Angel. Okay. Just in my mind, just so you know, when I'm thinking about angel, I'm not thinking about one of those cute, fat, little cherubim angels, you know, little pot-bellied things with little wings. I'm thinking about more like Dwayne Johnson rock with wings, big, like impressive 
probably not with wings. No wings, but obviously not just some normal-looking human person, okay? In my mind, I am thinking an intimidating being, okay? God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Now, all my young students in the house, a virgin is a man or a woman who had never had sex, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged. This is a very important part of the story. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. Now back up and remember, Gabriel appeared. I don't think this was like Gabriel walked into the room. I think Gabriel, not here, then here. Appeared. Now imagine that. Big, intimidating, obviously not human being appears to you. He says, greetings, favored woman. This is going well for Mary so far. The Lord is with you. Isn't that encouraging? It's a good message, right? But imagine how you feel. You're Mary. Look, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel can mean. In Nick Calloway version, Mary's freaked out. Now we have to remember, let's go back in time. Now we always talk about this in Go Church, how we want to read the Bible in context. That means that you understand what a scripture is saying in context of what comes before it, what comes after it. We don't just pick a scripture and just say, okay, this is the only thing I'm going to read or understand. We want to understand before, after. We want to understand how it fits in the chapter or in that book especially in the Bible as a whole. Now, we don't just take into consideration biblical context. We need to also take into consideration cultural context. There's a lot of things that were different between people now and people who were living 2,000 years ago. There are cultural differences. Now, it sounds weird to our brain to think about this, but it was normal for a young teenage woman like Mary to already be engaged to already be pledged to another man. It's pretty normal. Think about this, though. 14, 15, 16. Yes, times have changed, but she's still a teenager, okay? There's not a lot in human development that has changed between teenagers or between babies. She's still a young teenager. So imagine if you were a young one and you are engaged, what is she doing? Like, what would you be doing if you had a wedding coming up? What would you be doing? Oh, baby, you would be all about researching that dress, the right look, the colors, the location, who's going to come. More importantly, who's not going to be invited to this? How much budget are we working with here, mom and dad, on the dinner? (laughs) How many people can come? You're going to be all over Pinterest. You're going to be all over Say Yes to the Dress. I mean, you're going to be excited. She's probably practicing her new signature. She's just a young teenager Doing life, man. She's excited. She's engaged. She loves Joseph. Joseph loves her. Everything is normal. And then God interrupts. She's just doing her normal life. And Gabriel just appears out of nowhere. Think about how Mary could be feeling. We just get a touch of it here. She's disturbed. She's confused. Let's keep cranking. Verse 30. 
Gabriel says this, don't be afraid. Let's say that together on the count of three. One, two, three. Don't be afraid. Let's do it one more time. Don't be afraid. Why do you think he said that? Because she was freaking out. Almost every time when an angel appears to a human in the Bible, one of the first things they say is, don't be afraid. Fear not. Why? Because it is melting their brains. I mean, they're freaking out, okay? So you need to understand, this is not normal. Don't be afraid, Mary. I'm sure her heart rate is like pounding in her chest. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive. Now, this has all been nice and encouraging up to this point, right? God sees her, you have favor, it's all good, and then you will conceive. Hold on, wait, wait, what? Conceive. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Imagine you're 14 years old, about to get married. You're like, wait, what? I'm barely ready to get married. You're talking about kids? No, wait a minute. You're talking about a God kid? Put yourself in Mary's shoes. The angel continues. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. I imagine Mary's heart rate is like doubled up at this point. Mary asked the angel a very practical question. I love this about Mary. She's like, hey, uh, Gabriel, Gabe, hold on one second here, buddy. How can this happen? I've never had sex before. I'm a virgin. Hello? But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Gabriel's saying a miracle is going to happen. That's how you're going to become pregnant, just a miracle. No baby, then boom, baby. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. No wonder Gabriel began with fear not. Like, don't be afraid, but buckle up. <laughs> don't be afraid. Fear. I wasn't planning on jumping onto this, but it's just circulating into me. i got to jump on it for a minute. There are so many people. I see so many people in our neighborhood, in our community, even in Go Church, that miss the great things of God because you're afraid. You're afraid. So afraid. God's got great things in store for you. He's got great plans for you. Maybe he wants you to be a leader in the community, or he wants you to start a new ministry, or he wants you to hang tight in that marriage, or he wants you to have a really difficult conversation with the kid that needs to happen, but you are scared of what's going to happen, so you don't do it. The Bible says that God did not give us a spirit of fear. It does not come from God, but one of power and love and a sound mind. Here's the deal about God and his will and him interrupting and asking us to do things. God will never ask you to do something that you can do on your own. God doesn't need to be involved in any of the stuff that you just want to do on your own apart from him. So here's the deal. God will always ask you to do things that are beyond your capability to do. 
So they inherently feel scary. God will never ask you to do something that can be successful apart from him. So that's why God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but one of power. You see, God promises the power of the Holy Spirit to be in our life, to do what he calls us to do if we will say yes to him, move through fear, and embrace it. I see so many people missing out. It's much safer for many of us to just push into career and to just push into the things that I understand and to just keep it safe and keep the risk manageable. We want to have manageable, predictable risk in the portfolio of my life. Let's not get too crazy over here. God's not about that. Consider your threshold of risk and fear in your relationship with God. How high is it? What are you willing to say yes to? Mary is on this journey. God's interruption could be an invitation for Mary, but just imagine the emotions. Seriously, try to put yourself in teenage brain. Teenagers, just be as you are. (laughs) Consider this. You're about to get married. Joseph has plans. He's got career plans. Mary's got plans. They've got honeymoon plans. They probably got a five-year plan. You know, we're gonna have like 1.5 kids, and maybe we'll do like the pet thing before, and then we'll be like, oh look, like having a pet is like having a kid. Except you have a kid, and you're like, yeah, that was dumb. I'll never say that again. It's not like that at all. Can't just put my kid in a cage for six hours. And then God shows up, and it's an interruption. She's probably excited. I mean, imagine an angel comes to you at your prayer time in the morning while you're drinking coffee and just like, boom, and the angel's like, you have favor with God. That's amazing. So she's probably like, this feels amazing. And then she's scared, but what are people going to think? I mean, when I get pregnant and they know that we're not married, they're going to think, well, Mary and Joseph had sex together before they got married. That was a cultural no-no. And then she's probably thinking down the road, what is Joseph going to think? I mean, imagine how that conversation could go months later. Texting like, hey, Joseph, Jojo, could we meet for coffee? Because like all bad conversations happen over coffee for some reason. They get together and she's like, hey, Joseph, Jojo, yeah, um, you know how we've never had sex, right? And Joseph is like, yeah. Mary's like, well, about that. I'm pregnant, but it's okay because it's from God. It's going to be all right because the angel told me that was going to happen. Now, all the men in the house, imagine that you're Joseph. Are you buying this? I mean, you're sitting there like, okay, coffee down on the table. Like, you're You're trying to tell me you're pregnant and it's a God baby. Do you think I'm an idiot? I'm out. And in fact, stay tuned for a couple of more weeks. We're going to read about this, learn about this. But Joseph was like, I'm out. Joseph was like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not buying this whole God angel thing. And he was the one who was engaged and loved her the most. He's like, I'm out. Don't believe that. Imagine how that made Mary feel. A lot of hard stuff going on right here. 
Imagine how she feels. Mary is going along with her normal life. Imagine all the things that she could have said. I don't have time for this. A baby? I don't have time for that. That's not in the plan. And for many of you who are like type A, I got a plan for my plan, you're planning to make a plan for the plan that you're going to execute later according to the plan. This is not the plan. I don't have money for this. I don't have time for this. This is not what we were trying to do. It's going to ruin our relationship. It's It's going to ruin her life. Imagine how easy it would have been for her to be like, no. Have you ever considered that? What if Mary would have said, nope. Find somebody else. Mm-mm. I mean, I'll go to synagogue. I'll do the church thing. I'll show up every once in a while. I'll do the little things. But this, mm-mm. This is too much. This is too scary. This is too crazy. I'm not about this. Nope. I want you to write this down and think about this today. The fears we don't face become our limitations. The fears we don't face become our limits. Are you limiting yourself? Maybe these thoughts, and I think some of these thoughts had to be running through her head when the angel of God, Gabriel said this in verse 37, here it is on the screen, for with God, nothing will be impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. He's reminding Mary, yes, this seems impossible according to normal life. But with God, nothing is impossible. If you try to solve life with just career, with career, with money, with right portfolio, with enough net worth, with enough network, then all things are possible. Well, it might be possible to keep it small and human-sized and predictable and safe. And then the amount maybe not matter much. It is so tragic to be a person of means but with no godly meaning. It's tragic to exist and not leave a mark. It's tragic to just occupy time and not leave a legacy. It's just tragic to carve out an existence but not make a difference eternally for the Lord. Mary is going through all of this. And he says, with God, nothing is impossible. I'm going back to my earlier impromptu challenge. I think sometimes God is found in the riskiest things that you've ever thought of. The things that you think, "Mm, man, I can't, without God, that's going to fail. That's how Becky and I have felt in ministry. We've done some challenging kinds of ministry. We have prayed for some challenging kinds of situations where if God does not show up, this is going to fail. On this missions trip, this event, this time, if God does not show up for this, this is going to fail. Go church and moving out here, if God does not show up, it will fail. It is in that zone 
where we continually have to remind ourselves, I've got to be willing to go from the safe zone to the faith zone. And even Christians in this place, maybe specifically to you believers, Christians, my brothers and sisters in the house, it doesn't get easier to trust God. It gets more exciting to trust God. But it still feels like, Okay, if I, if I jump out of this plane, I'm going to lose my stomach. And then you, you do it a couple of times, a couple of times. It's probably always concerning, but it's like this parachute's going to open. I know it's going to open. I've done this six times. I've trusted God nine times. God has showed up, but it's still a little bit scary. I'm going to go again. And I'm going to go again, and I'm going to go again. Our whole life is going to be filled of trusting God, safe zone to faith zone all the time. And look what Mary chooses to do. She chooses, she's right up in that proverbial door of the plane, legs hanging out, what's she going to do? Luke 138, I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. We have to let that sink in. What she's saying is, I had plans. I lay them down. May your word to me be fulfilled. She said, I'm going to lay down my quote-unquote career. I'm going to lay down my plans. I'm going to lay down. It might not even work with Joseph. It might blow up my family. My mom and dad might not even believe this. I am your servant. Let it happen the way that you want it to happen. What if that was our heart? Where at the end of the day, Jesus truly is the Lord and the leader of our lives. Not a piece, not a compartment, not a Christmas thing, not an Easter thing, not around certain kinds of people thing, that at the end of the day, I am the Lord's servant. I will do what he wants me to do. I will push through fear. I will believe the word of God where it says, God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and a sound mind. Do you believe that, Go Church? Mary says, I trust you. And it brings us to today's tough truth. Write this down. This is where we take action. This is where we make it practical, baby. The outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is mine. Obedience is mine. We got to understand this about Mary. Mary was already in love with God. The angel appears to her and says, you have favor with God. She already had a relationship with God. It wasn't like God showed up, told her this, and then she was like, well, maybe I should believe in God. She was already there. Here's the deal. Mary was already prepared. And then God shows up and says, I need to position you in this way. It is our job. Write this down in your card somewhere. It's my job to be prepared. Teenagers in the house. It's not your parents' job to get you prepared. It's not your parents' job to make you believe. It's not your parents' job. It's not your work's job. It's not anybody else's job. You can never delegate away your personal responsibility to believe in the Lord. It's your job to be prepared. It's God's job to position you. But you've got to put in the work. You've got to say, I'm going to push in. I'm going to grow in prayer. I'm going to grow in discipleship. I'm going to pour into somebody else. I'm going to study the scripture. Every point that God asks me to do something, it is yes. 
It is a yes in advance to whatever God asked me to do. This is Mary. Obedience is our responsibility. So what is God asking you to believe? We know what he asked Mary to believe. What kind of invitation is God extending to you today? You might be a 30-year believer in Jesus, but there's been something tucked down in your heart, a project, a ministry, an endeavor that God has asked you to do, and you have refused because of every good, reasonable excuse that you can think of for 10 years. Maybe God is bringing it back to you for one more chance. What will you do with that? Will you say, I'm scared, but I'm your servant? You see, courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is pushing through fear and doing what you know you need to do. That's courage. We all feel fear. What are we going to do with it? It's not ungodly to feel it. We've got to push through it. Maybe it's an invitation to start a thing. Maybe it's to start a business or to stop doing something. Maybe it's to talk to a family member and have that difficult conversation that you know you need to have, but you don't want to. And God is telling you to do it. It's an interruption, really an invitation. Will you accept it? Maybe it's to start a new ministry. Maybe it's to start believing in Jesus, period. Maybe it's to start giving. Maybe you've heard about people that do this. There are people in Go Church that give. They give percentage. They give 10% or more of their income back to the kingdom, back to God. They do that. It's called tithing. Maybe you've never done that. You felt like you should, or maybe you felt a passion or a stirring to start giving in a planned way, but you never have. Maybe God's reminding you, trust me in this. Trust is comprehensive. It's not selective. We trust him or we don't. Maybe it's to try again. And I step carefully here because there are people in Go Church that have tried to get pregnant, haven't, that have tried and had miscarriages. There are people who've decided to adopt children, that that's God's will for their life. What is it for you? I don't know, but God knows. And he wants to help you know. And I am asking you, to step out just like Mary and to trust him. Some of you have let fear dominate your life. You are afraid. You are driven by fear. Some of the things that you do in your marriage is just because you're afraid your marriage won't last. So you do X, Y, and Z. You're afraid it's not going to last. You're afraid you're going to lose your job for whatever reason. You can even be successful. But you're just afraid. You have that thing with you all the time that any day could be the day. It's like you got kind of that box already packed. Anytime you say, okay, well, I'm out of here. I saw this coming. You just feel this fear. Something about your kids, something about a relationship, your own health. Maybe you got something coming up or you got a test result that you didn't like. And you're just always feeling like the other shoe's going to drop. When is it? When is it? I know it's going to come. It's in my family. I'm probably going to die this way. When's it going to hit me? Hit my dad. It's probably going to hit me at this time. And you're just fearful of these things. And it's kept you back from pushing into the fullness of God. I want you to remember those words. Nothing is impossible with God. If it's God's will, God is asking you to do it, it is possible, even though culturally it seems totally improbable. God can do it. Becky and I got married in 2000. It was a different century. 
<laughs> we got married. Um, we went into ministry. We found out that we were pregnant. The way that we found out that we were pregnant is we were up early one morning. We were jogging. We were trying to give a little kick at the end. Becky was complaining about her stomach hurting. And I was like, oh, push through the pain. Come on. Like later that week, she takes like a pregnancy test. Felt like a jerk. <laughs> She's pregnant. We have a Sydney in 2003. Now, if you've been here a little bit of time, you understand our daughter Sydney was born with some medical complications, special needs. So she's born, things get complicated. That was not a part of the plan. We were tested to make sure everything was okay, genetically, DNA, all that stuff, and it was. Doctors just said, it was a freak thing. Sometimes kids are just born different, and it's our job to love them different. Extra support, extra love, all the things. So a couple of years go by, and, you know, Sydney's had surgeries and all these things, and it felt like infinite amounts of therapy appointments and doctor's appointments. And two years in, Becky comes to me one day, and she goes, what do you think about having more kids? And I'm like, haven't really thought about it. I'm like so focused on Sydney, like, it takes a lot. I was more like, why don't we just focus in on her? Like, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take my best just to try to raise her as best we can. I was scared about it. I was like, if lightning can strike once, then lightning can strike twice. And what if we have another child and they're messed up? They have medical complications. That would be, I don't know about that. So I was like, I don't know. On the inside, I was like, no. Becky goes, we just pray about it. On the outside, I was like, sure. On the inside, I was like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> like, sure, babe, I'll pray. So, like, time goes by, and I start feeling a continual reminder about this. It's God moving and stirring. I actually start praying about it, and God starts reminding me of these things. Trusting Him. Am I willing to trust him? With him, anything is possible. Are you willing to surrender fear of what could happen to trust me and what I could do? And I came to this place and I remember going to Becky and I'm like, let's go for it. Like right now, let's go for now this play. <laughs> like, let's go for it. And then we get pregnant pretty quick. And I'm telling you that back in 2005, late 2004, if I were to let my fear rule my life, if I were to let fear become my limitations, this would have never happened. A great thing would have never happened. By great thing, I mean my boys. Ethan Levi, hop up here with me real quick. Just step right over this. You can do it. This would not have happened right here. My voice. 
You got to clap. No, I mean, you got to clap. <laughs> now, I remember, man, when they were born, I was checking all the things. Let me see the palms. Is there a semi increase? Let me get their eyes. Any, I mean, I was checking all the things. And these boys, double blessing. Double blessing. When we were early pregnant, we were in the bed talking. And I told Becky, I'm like, I think we're going to have more than one. She was like, shut up. Like, no, no, I think we're going to have more than one. And we go in for that ultrasound. And the lady was like, uh, you got twins? And I was like, see? And Becky was like, shut up. <laughs> I love you, boys. Give me a hug. Hug, 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 hug. Pop back down by the mama. If I were to let fear rule me, it would have become my limitation. And now our family lives on, name lives on, generations can happen. It's life and it's trusting God. God has this twin version of something for your life. There's something out there. There's something he wants you to do. It's something grand. It's something that takes guts. It's something that takes faith. It takes something that only with him can it succeed. What is that thing for you? What is that Ethan and Levi thing for you? Trust God, go for it, have this merry mentality, be willing to push in, be willing to push through fear, acknowledge it, say, God, I'm feeling it. You didn't give this fear to me. I'm not gonna reside here. I'm gonna ask you to give me power to push through. And courage pushes through that fear into obedience. And that's where miracles happen. God meets you at the moment of obedience. That moment, not before, not just He is there at that moment of obedience. Will you obey today? Let's pray. God, help us to see your future for our life. Help us, God, to dream the size of dreams that you want for Go Church. To make an irrational difference in our community and world. Not just hundreds of people, but thousands and thousands and thousands of families, not just here, but all over the world that are being reached and changed by your gospel through simple obedience. God, help us to push through fear to get there, to learn how to give, to learn how to pray, to learn how to serve, to learn how to be you-oriented. God, in our relationships, in our marriages, with our kids, with our professional endeavors in the marketplace. God, we are ministers in the marketplace. Help us to see our marketplace as ministry, not just as a way to earn a check, not just as a way to use education, but God, to see it through your lens that everywhere we work, there are people that you live for, that you died for. God, that you resurrected your son for. God, help us today to have that merry mentality, to step out and to make a difference and to push through fear. If you're here today, you love Jesus, but God is stirring your heart about this stuff. Can I just see your hand? God's stirring you. I want to see your hand. God's stirring you. Where are you at? Yeah, you're all over. You're all over this place. Those of you who are streaming this right now, evaluate your heart. What is God stirring up? What are you willing to say yes to? The most important thing you can say yes to is a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. He gave his life. Here's the deal. 
God gave his son, Mary gave birth, Jesus gave his life so that you and I could have a real authentic relationship with the Holy God. God resurrected Jesus Christ. He's alive today and he has a plan for you and it starts with a relationship of trust with him. The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you will believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer of salvation right now. If you're ready to make Jesus the Lord and the leader of your life, pray this with me out loud. Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of every sin. I'm making you the Lord and the leader of my life. And I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.